Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. Welcome to your Tuesday, February 16th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. Uh, big episode today. Uh, a lot to get to, including uh, a conversation with the chief content officer from the National Hockey League, Steve Mayer. Now, he was responsible for so much of the details in the Edmonton and Toronto bubbles and the original return to play back in August. And he's also got a lot of responsibility in regards to the outdoor games, including the games to take place this weekend in Lake Tahoe. So we'll talk to uh, NHL executive Steve Mayer coming up in just a moment. And also on the back end of this podcast in this episode, uh, I had a chance to speak with Danny Briere on the Flyers weekly radio show that I do every Monday night from 6 to 7 on 97.5 The Fanatic. Got a few inquiries from people on Twitter that because they're not in the area, they can't hear that show. So we'll bring you that conversation I had with Danny Briere yesterday that aired on the radio show as well on the back half of this episode. Uh, but in the meantime, no new names added to the COVID protocol list, despite the fact that the Flyers did not practice yesterday. They were scheduled to practice yesterday at 1130. They did not. Uh, they did, They will get back on the ice apparently coming up today at 11. And I think today's probably a pretty important day uh, for the Flyers to get back on the ice as to going forward and playing Thursday night. I can't imagine that after nine days off the ice and just one practice, the Flyers will go back and play uh, a game on Thursday night against the New York Rangers. Uh, we'll see if that is the case. Hopefully they're back on the ice today at 11 o'clock and the team uh, can get back in into the swing of the 2021 NHL season. And also, obviously, the prospect of the game in Lake Tahoe. So a lot still be determined here for the Philadelphia Flyers. And they still have seven names on the list, despite the fact that one of the names came off the list. That was Travis Sanheim. We mentioned that in yesterday's episode. And Travis Konechny's name went onto the list. Uh, but we'll see as players become available. Justin Braun, Claude Giroux, Travis Konechny, Oscar Lindblom, Scott Lawton, Jake Voracek, and the other name on the list is Morgan Frost, who obviously wouldn't be available even when he comes off the COVID list, having just had that surgery uh, on his shoulder, the injury he sustained earlier this season uh, when he came into the third game of the season for the Flyers after Sean Couturier was initially hurt in the second game of the season. But let's get to my conversation right now with the NHL's chief with the NHL's chief content officer, Steve Mayer. Had a chance to catch up with him yesterday all in advance of the game at Lake Tahoe this weekend, and here's that conversation. Very happy to have join us on this episode of Flyers Daily from the NHL League Office. Chief content officer Steve Mayer joins us right now, and this is going to be fascinating. Steve, how are you? I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You look like you're not weathered or anything, even though you're out in the weather, but it's been a crazy couple of months, maybe a year for you, hasn't it? <laughs> It, it has, uh, you know, ever since we put our season on pause, uh, which, you know, now feels, well, it was, it's almost a year. Um, you know, it hasn't stopped. Uh, it hasn't stopped. From the second we went on pause, you know, part of my job is also uh, to figure out and to run our content division at the league. And, you know, we needed to be up and running immediately. We didn't want to miss a beat. But you had to figure out how to do everything from home. And little did we know yeah. that we would still be doing it from home, you know, all of us. And, you know, that was first. And then figuring out the bubble and then going to a bubble and getting that done. And, you know, there was no there was no time off. Like we, we needed to then immediately figure out what were we going to do for the next season. And, uh, and here we are now in Tahoe about to do a really cool outdoor game that I think 
is extremely unique. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're, we're really psyched, but it, it really, it hasn't stopped. And, you know, there's no, there's no real end in sight as we get this season done. And then again, we're not going to have a lot of time as we get prepared for next season. Steve, are, are in, in your real life, uh, non-professional life, are you rigid and, and like to know things are structured? Because in your professional life, there's variable after variable. And as soon as you plan for something, it could change like that, right? How's that element been for you just to, when you put your, your head on the pillow at night going, boy, what curveball am I going to get tomorrow? You, you know, it's actually interesting that you say that. And, you know, I, I happen to have a personality where, uh, one, you know, my, my team might tell you otherwise, <laughs> uh, but I don't stress very much. And I think it's probably, uh, I'm, I'm getting older, been there, done it, seen it all, like, you know, and, you know, please, what, what's going to bother? Like, if I, I haven't, I probably have experienced most everything yeah. in the Can't business. control it, can't fix it, can't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and, and you got to realize that the old expression, you know what happens, it mm-hmm. does. And yeah. it's how you react to it. You know, we have a, a saying, or I have a saying, you know, it's not about the problem, it's about the solution. Yeah. And, and we just deal with it. You know, we just... We just figure out, okay, hey, here, here's what we're, we're facing, and how do we fix it? And, and you know, we're living in a crazy time right now where you're making up a lot of the rules as you go along. I mean, we're making decisions with, with no background. Like, we don't have the experience that in many times when we do a big outdoor game, you know, in a stadium, we know exactly, you know, well, we, we, we had this experience in Pittsburgh. We had this experience in Philadelphia. We, we know how to handle it. In this world, you're just sort of, you know, figuring it out as you kind of go along. But that's cool. Like, I think that's part of the challenge, and that's what makes the job fun. That's what makes life fun. You know, yeah. and, and we're dealing with it. And, and you know what? We've made some good decisions. Uh, you know, you just hope that you stay in that path. How good did you feel? when the cup was handed out and you guys eventually closed up the bubbles in Toronto and Edmonton, knowing all that work, all the variables going, okay, if we can just get into the bubble secure, I think we can keep it secure. And then you did, and you see these thousands upon thousands of negative tests and no positive. What Did you have a moment to reflect on that? Because that was such an undertaking of epic proportions. The NBA did it as well. MLS did it to, to some degree as well, but all said and done, when you know you know every element that went into that, from the signage in the stadiums, everything, and then you finally got back, you know, saw them hand out that cup and had a chance to just exhale for a moment. What was that? That had to be incredibly rewarding. Yeah, you know, I'm not the most emotional guy, but I got emotional. Yeah, uh, like you know, we have put a lot of work into that, you know, and players talk about their sacrifice and being away from their families. You know, our staff, their staff even more. You know, we, we were away, like, you know, I didn't see my my wife, my kids for three months, you know, and we were all in the same same boat. And we all had one singular goal, whether you were a player or whether you were part of the staff, and that was to get to that end game, you know, yeah. and as safe as possible. You know, that was the other thing. When we went in there, like, no one expected it to be as perfect in some ways as it, as it ended up being from a standpoint of no positive tests. Like, I think we had we had plans in place if there were gonna be positives 
how we were going to handle that and contact tracing and how we were going to sort of manage a situation and talk about making the rules up as you kind of go along. We had never experienced it and we never had to, you know, I look at what's going on now and, you know, we're dealing with it on a day by day basis at the NHL, but to never have to have done or dealt with that in the bubble, you know, I, I, I really, you know, sometimes, you know, knock on wood, like how in the world did that happen? It's almost like a little bit of a mini miracle. Yeah. Um, that the sports gods. That's the yeah, sports gods saying these people know. need this game right now. Yeah. You know, right. And, and we, we provided a sense of entertainment. We provided something for people in a really, really tough time. And, you know, we always had said all from day one, like if we don't lift the cup, Hey, it's not, you know, it's not a success. And then when we did, man, I, I just looked around at my team and it was, it was really cool. I mean, from a standpoint of you saw the emotion, the sheer emotion, that was like a big night for us because we had all gone through a lot and we just kept our, you know, our heads down. We just kept on moving forward. But then to know at the end that we had done what we set out to do was pretty cool. It really was. It was, yeah. it was, it was I mean, the cool other, one. it's almost like taking it as a hockey player. It's one shift at a time. It's just our next shift. That's all that matters. Yeah. Anything that happened in the past, we can't let that affect what's going to happen in the future. Um, and then t- to culminate it with that beautiful trophy coming on the ice it makes it even better because it is the most glorious trophy in all of sport. <laughs> no, 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 you know, uh, it was a good moment. And, and also to know that, yeah, and listen, there's various opinions, but our opinion was the quality of play was really strong. Mm-hmm. The guys really wanted it. I, I mean, I think what we saw in the bubble was what we've always known, but you saw it like firsthand. And that was, and these guys are playing a the game and get paid a lot of money. They're the best in the world at what they do, but man, it's all about winning the Stanley cup. Yeah. Like that is everything. And you know, whether you're playing with no fans, you play like, this is their personal goal. It means so much to those guys. And that's also gratifying when you're working somewhere and you know, the reason why, you know, you're doing this is because you've got a bunch of people that are striving for that one ultimate goal. And you're trying to help them get there. And um, it was an experience. I mean, one that I'll, I'll absolutely never forget. And, uh, and you know, and I think that's helped us trying to plan this. You know, the, the group that's doing this, we went through the bubble. We went through the protocols. We went through personal responsibility. The protocols here, we, we bubbled this place up more than it, probably during the regular season. And we're cool with that. Like, for us, it's about getting those games played Saturday and Sunday successfully. There's things that we can't help weather, for instance, but, you know, we're really, you know, under the strictest of protocols and we, we, you know, we're looking forward to a big weekend. Yeah. And, and Dave Craig does such a good job in outdoor venues with, you know, setting the rinks up and everything. And this is, you know, this is an ODR, like legit ODR. I mean, you're doing it on Lake Tahoe. How did the uh, how did the decision get made to go to Lake Tahoe of all places? So you know we looked at a bunch of places and there's a lot of boxes that you need to check in order to do these games and you know and one of them you know we're bringing in essentially 200 personnel from the different teams so we needed places to stay food to eat transportation we needed some of of those and, and 
you know, a lot of the more remote places, they're awesome, but they are remote, you know, yeah. and, and, and so, and we needed to turn this around in months, not years. Like, so in other words, when we do an outdoor game, say winter classic, you know, we, we, we announced it on January 1st, usually for the next year. And I'm not kidding you little by little, we're working on it for 12 months. You know, yeah. we announced this in December and we're playing it two months later. And so we needed to have, have facilities and infrastructure and a place that's done big events before that could help us sort of move this thing along. And, you know, that was part of the choice. The other, I mean, I don't know, have you ever been? I've never been to Tile, but um, it's glorious looking. Oh my goodness. I mean, it is, it's spectacular. I mean, everywhere you look, it's beautiful. And, you know, between the mountains and the lakes and the trees, you know, the setting just like caught us, you know, and, you know, that ha had to be the, the number one qualification because it is a made for television event with no fans. So yes. it's just gotta look spectacular. And, you know, I think, you know, the plans have gone really well to get us to here uh, little by little, we're building it out. And, you know, I do think it'll be a unique, memorable event for our fans. It, you know, have you guys talked about doing an, an ODR event like this, an outdoor rink event prior, but maybe it didn't make sense because getting fans involved before was part of the equation. Now it's not. So, you know, when this was originally broached as, hey, let's let's try and do something a little different, really cool. But it, the fact that we don't have fans, let's make this happen now. Was it originally broached and kind of people were like, yeah, that's not really a good idea, but this no, made no, all no. the sense in the world. I think everybody's always has always thought it's a good idea. Like, you know, you work for Gary. Gary is very it will let you guys come up with ideas. He doesn't shoot yeah. things down. No, he doesn't. And and he does um and, and everybody's been supportive of like what what can we do? Listen, with any of these, you have a business model to consider. Sure. We got pretty far and it was pretty well documented. Uh two years ago, two and a half years ago, we tried to do a game on Parliament Hill in Ottawa. Uh, that would have been super cool with the parliament at the backdrop. We were going to build out a stadium. We were going to have fans there, you know, and I do think there's a way to do these games in normal times where you could put stands in place. Not, you're not, listen, we're not going to have a hundred thousand people, but you can make it a VVIP really cool event um, and, and, and have an element of fans and do it in landmarks. And we've talked about a bunch of different places when we canceled or postponed Winter Classic, Stadium Series, All-Star, you know, we were we were getting bugged. Like, you know, man, what's gonna be our event? Like that that signature event. Yeah. And that like that breeds like our fans love it and and for us it gets us all pumped up. And and so we immediately were, you know, considering what could we do and you know, looked up on the shelf and we saw hey outdoor game no let's pull it off the shelf let's let's start talking about it you know and then listen in any of these um big events you got to have the sponsor support i mean without the sponsors that's who's really paying for this there's no revenue coming in from tickets yep and, and their support bridgestone and honda really stepped up here and all of our sponsors duncan and pepsi and um, but like, like everybody's come together because they see the, the, 
the, the, the chances that this could be our big event of the year and we'll have our by far our biggest audience on television. It's getting all the buzz. And so they came along and, you know, we, we're so thankful because we do think without that, we wouldn't have been able to do this. And with that, we're able to do it. And it's, uh, you know, it, it's one of those events that everybody is really psyched to work on. Yeah. Um, please tell me one of the locations you're considering when fans can be part of one of these is Banff. So we looked at Banff. Oh, so I have to tell so you. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So I, I, you know, and that's the one that we'll tell you about um, because we hope that in the future we could potentially do a game there. So right after the bubble, um, a very small group of, uh, of our team went to Banff to look at Banff first. You know, we had talked about it over beers in the bubble and said, mm -hmm. like, we got to do this. Let's, so we sent them out. There, there are government regulations that yeah. prohibit sponsor. sponsors. Yeah. So, and let me tell you, if it was another year, would we have pursued it? But like, there's a lot going on right now for governments. Yeah, a little and, busy. You know, the last thing we need to do is, uh, oh, hello, um, can we get the sponsor exemption? Yeah. So we decided, you know what? It's just not the time. It's just not right. And although it, it's it's one of the most beautiful places in the world, yep. um, you know, we, we took a punt and then we really started looking in the U.S., um, I think, listen, uh, we'll see how it goes this weekend. We'll see how popular this is. We'll, we'll you know, I, I do think like I like the buzz around it. I do because yeah. I think, you know, that could lead to something in the future. No guarantees. But if it did, you know, we, we need to consider a lot of cool places like Banff and, and other places that are on a pretty short list, especially if the world starts to open up again. Mystery Alaska. <laughs> Right. Oh, no, no. That's got to be a consideration. Yeah. We had a really cool call. So we're going to do something this week with the with the actors from Mystery Alaska. And, you know, this was uh, one of the inspirations, of course. And we got them back on a Zoom call the other day just to hear their thoughts. They're so psyched that this game is, is like closest to a game like Mystery Alaska. Yeah. Uh, we're going to do a little content this week and push it out on our NHL social channels. Uh, yeah, Mystery Alaska, Mystery Tahoe. Here we go. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Steve, uh, the, the game and the integrity of the game is another consideration. And, and I know that uh, the commissioner, Gary Bettman, is, is always cognizant of that fact. Um, the integrity of the ice is, is part of the equation as well. But, but I want to ask you how you choose the teams for this unique event. Because you're going to have two games, and the Flyers are, are scheduled to be one of them. Yeah. So, um, you know, th there's a, a few people um, that get in a room and really decide the teams. You know, obviously, this is a neutral site, so we had a little more freedom than in other, in other games where, uh, you know, when we're in Philadelphia, of course, you know, and then you look for the best matchup. You know, it, 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 again, it's a made-for-TV event. And right now, um, four of the best teams in the NHL are coming to Tahoe. Um, you know, the divisional makeup of this season obviously lent to finding those rivalries. Um, you know, I think we were interested in the Vegas connection, Nevada, and, you know, having a team from Nevada. We're on the Nevada side of Tahoe. Um, and they have not played in an outdoor game. So we thought that was interesting. And, 
the Avalanche are, you know, one of the great young teams. And, and then the Flyers and, and the Bruins are, are just, you know, the, the games from the last few seasons have, have, you know, been like memorable, memorable games. And, you know, the rivalry is, is there. It's been there forever. And, you know, let's face it, um, you've got, again, two of the better teams in the East. So we're thrilled about the matches. We think the, you know, you mentioned the integrity of the game. You know, in the end of the day, these teams are battling for points uh, like any other NHL game. The infrastructure that we've had to put together in Tahoe is for an NHL game, video replays, real-time statistics, all the things that you would normally have. Um, and so, you know, you can't discount that, you know, these are, we're not just dropping a puck and these guys are having a good old time. This is an NHL game. And we think there's two really good matchups. I totally agree. My wife, my, my, my Montreal Canadiens match just fell off my uh, wall. My Patrick no, maybe Watt, they were, they were <laughs> considered. Yeah. You know, if, if that, that, you know, this is what happens when, you know, when you don't just decide to take the Canadians, they fall off your wall. Yeah, it's, it's flying off the ghost of Patrick Waugh. Patty, your other team. See, notice that Patrick Waugh's um, avalanche mask didn't fall off the wall. Interesting. <laughs> yes. There is enough. some significance to that. <laughs> that was not a scheduled prop. Um, uh, uh, last thing for you, Steve. Um, being out there in Tahoe and, and everybody's going to be coming out and, you know, they're going to get on the ice and in preparation for the game to get the sight lines and kind of feel it and everything. Um, but this is a great event, and, and I'm, it's so unique. Um, I love what you guys are doing just with these with the open-mindedness of let's find what different ways to present this game. So, so when this is all said and done and you're going to look back on this one and you're going to look at the pictures, is this going to be one where you kind of go, I can't believe we just did an, an outdoor rink game on Lake Tahoe, when you look at it, I mean, I, I imagine like the bubbles, that's in a building. This is outdoors. It's going to be cr- incredibly rewarding. Yeah. You know, I think one of the things that our fans are going to see, the coverage is going to be really different. We're, you know, we're using drones oh, man. And, and jibs and like, you know, you're going to see some really cool pictures. Like I, that, yeah, I, I'm hoping the weather cooperates, but you know, some of the visuals that, you know, we've just put out even this week, we're not even near done building out the site. It's pretty cool. And so I do think, you know, that will be, you know, something that people will remember from this, you know, the drone sweeping over the lake and into the rink and, you know, just the panoramics. Old- just yeah, the panoramics. Charts. Oh, they are. They are. Because everywhere you look, the mountains and snow on the mountain. It's really cool. And I, I, um, I uh, yeah, I, I think there's things that we're learning this week. You know, um, the wall that we would normally plug the plug into isn't there. You got to build the wall. You got it, and that's fine. You know, and one by one, we walked around yesterday and just we need that. We need this. We need that. Things that we didn't necessarily plan for, but we're ready to go. Like, okay, big deal. You know, we've got a week and we'll, we'll get there. Um, but in the end of the day, once it, it airs on Saturday and then on Sunday again, and for the Flyers on Sunday, um, I, I do think it's going to be really picturesque and so different than anything we've ever done. And, yeah. and that's what we're trying to do, consistently do things that are different. You know, and you throw things against the wall, some will stick, some won't. Yep. This one I think will stick. I, I think this is a pretty cool event. 
and, and extremely unique, not only for a hockey fan. Like, I think a sports fan will go, man, that was cool that they did that. You yeah. know, like I would be cool if the if a basketball game took place in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. I would go, this is so super cool. I think this hits sports fans in general, just because of the nature of how different it is. Yeah, the NBA did a game on an um, aircraft carrier, which was, yeah. like, really cool. It's like, you'd never think to do that. But, again, like you said, there's no such thing as a bad idea. You know, you throw it against it. If, it can, if we can work it out, it makes sense. It looks cool. It's going to be a good thing for the fan base. Then then I, it's all good. Uh, provided Travis Konechny is out of COVID protocol, uh, I imagine him and Brad Marsha maybe play a little rock, paper, scissors to see who will leave the, the lake last. <laughs> We, we would uh, we would welcome that, you know. Uh, that was awesome. And I'm, listen, I'm hoping that the teams come with some cool ideas. Like yeah. this is like this is taking them back to their childhood. I mean, this is the closest it's going to get to you know getting out there, choosing sides, dropping the puck, and just playing for the sake of playing. I mean, this is about as close as they're going to get. So I really do hope, and we've been talking to the teams that they do come with a couple of really creative ideas and take advantage of where they're at and what the event is and how unique it is. And, uh, you know, if they do, man, I'm, I'm here to welcome them and yep. say, great job guys. Thanks. Because that's what we need more and more in hockey and the NHL. We need the teams and the players to be as creative as possible. We need to do different things. Uh, we can't rest on our laurels. We always got to keep on making it bigger and grander and better. Well, Steve, I can't wait for the event. I know the fan base is ready to see this as well. It's going to be quite the spectacular uh, visual for sure and, and a good hockey game between two teams fighting for the same real estate and a lot of history there. The Flyers won their first cup over the Bruins. We know the Bruins swept the Flyers on the way to their cup in 2011. Flyers came back in 2010 from down 0-3, 3-0 in the game. And some of those players, like James Van Riemsdyk, still here. Claude Giroux, still here. Some of the – Patrice Bergeron, still there. So a lot of really cool uh, recent stuff as well. Thanks for doing this, Steve. Best of luck this weekend. Um, I know you guys have every contingency plan oh, laid out and ready to deal with, and uh, we're, we can't wait for this game. And Thanks for doing this. No, thanks so much for having me. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to – to seeing the Flyers get off that plane and playing a game in Tahoe. It'll be great. Thanks to Steve Mayer for joining us on this episode of Flyers Daily. And if you missed it locally in the Philadelphia market on 97.5 The Fanatic, uh, we do a show every Monday called Flyers Weekly. It airs from 6 o'clock to 7 p.m. And yesterday, I had a chance to talk with Flyers forward Danny Briere. And here's the conversation that aired on Flyers Weekly. Joining us on this episode of Flyers Weekly is former Flyer, Danny Briere, 973 games in the National Hockey League. Did you want to hang on to 1,000, Danny? <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it would have been a nice number, no doubt about it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's not something that uh, makes me uh, lose sleep at night. Um, you know, I was close. When, when you count all the playoff games and the preseason games, um, I'm well above uh, 1,000. But um, it, it definitely would have been a nice, uh, a nice number to, to attain. I never realized that you were on the 97 uh, World Junior team that won gold, 2 nothing final over Team USA, and won Brian Boucher. <laughs> That's right. Played against Brian Boucher in that, in that game. So I've been, I've been giving him a hard time about that for, for many years. To, <laughs> many years now because we played together in Phoenix first and then back in uh, Philly again. So I always tease him about that. But it was uh, – uh, we actually uh, tied each other in uh, – prelim round 
four four I think the the score was mm-hmm. um and then yeah in the final got to play them again it was a very tight defensive game and uh, Mark Denis stood on his head for uh, for us uh, on the Canadian side no doubt about it um Danny you're in school you and I were texting about this you you, you went <laughs> back to school were you a good student growing up because you got to your hockey career pretty early yeah I it's funny. I, I mean, a good student is relative. I guess things came easy, uh, but I didn't like doing homework and projects and stuff like that. So um, that that's the, the stuff that would get me in trouble. <laughs> so what, let me ask you, because you're, you're in the Wharton Business School um, and you're going to school for finance, I believe. Uh, it's an executive degree. Um, it's, it's a management so you, you, a degree, so you get to explore uh, things with uh, marketing, finance, uh, strategy, and leadership. Um, the leadership part is super, super exciting. A lot of good stuff to uh, to learn there. What made you decide to, to go back to school? Because a lot of former athletes, you know, they don't they don't make that choice and. Uh, but and look, you chose a pretty good school in Wharton, right? Um, well, the the, <laughs> the first part was the, the challenge, um, the challenge of it all. I, I you know I like to to have the challenge myself, uh, so it wasn't easy. I mean, I, I you know I had some college classes from my my junior days, um, so it, it was scary at first when I was looking at the the option uh, of going back to school. Uh, but I said, no, I, I need to go. I want to go um, and, and push myself. Um, the other thing, too, is after hockey, Paul Holmgren gave me the chance, along with Sean Tilder, they gave me the chance to get involved on the business side uh, with the organization, which is very different than most players. They, they get involved on you know the hockey side with uh, either coaching or development uh, or scouting. Um, so you know that was a little different for me. And, and I noticed really quickly that um, I was lag, lacking, lagging a little behind uh, you know, some of uh, – the people that I was working with at, at the office, and I wanted to to catch up um, uh, and understand a little bit more what they were talking about. So um, that's that's kind of the reason why I wanted to go back. Uh, w- when you first went back and you were doing some in person, did, did you walk into the class for the first time? Like, was that Danny Briere in our class? Was there any uh, that? There's been there's been a couple, but I mean, uh, in those executive degrees, everybody comes from a very uh, uh, different background that. That is pretty wild. I mean, I, you know, I, I can't talk about who was there, but there's, uh-huh. there's some p- people that were a lot more popular than I was. So it made it easy to to blend in. Wow. It's a secret society. I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> but another club they won't let me in, Danny, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, l- let me ask you about this season, because as a guy who played so many games, over a thousand, like you said, with playoffs and preseason and in a very long, very successful career, how do you think you would have been handling this situation where there's so much unknown as a player? Because, you know, yeah. there's postponements now, there, there are no fans, but you are traveling and playing multiple games and buildings and sets, if you will. How would that kind of affected you as a player, do you think? Well, you have to adjust and you have to adapt. And then, unfortunately, for, for a lot of hockey players, um, you know, we like our routines. We like to know what's in front of us and what we're going to face day after day. We we get comfortable falling into a routine, and that's probably been the toughest part for for the player is not knowing, um, you know, when they're going to play next. Um, you know, if they're going to play, um, all the 
um, everything that's being thrown at them left and right with the new rules and new regulations. So I, I've been actually really, really impressed at how the NHL and the players uh, have adjusted through throughout the last um, 11 months now uh, of this pandemic. It's uh, It's been impressive. I, I don't know how I would have reacted. I'm, I'm sure I, I would have found a way to... Um, to adjust kind of like the guys are doing, but I'm glad I, I, I didn't have to play or I feel fortunate. That I, didn't, I didn't have to play uh, or I didn't have to face this kind of pandemic during my playing days. Yeah, no doubt. Um, the other thing that's interesting too, is, you know, you play preseason games, you have a longer training camp, you can dial in your game over that period of time. And even in a normal situation, yeah. like you were involved in so many times, it still takes you, you know, 10, 15 games into the regular season to really feel like you are where you want to be. Uh, that part yep. has, has got to be really difficult for players to kind of, you know, ha- handle and kind of plan for. Yeah, and, and obviously I'm going off of my personal um, experiences here. I loved playing a lot of uh, preseason games because I, you know, I was a player that I needed to feel comfortable on the ice. I needed to find my repairs. and You don't get that playing one or two games. Um, you, you get that usually. I, and I part of the reason why I was always a, a slow starter early in the regular season, it always took me, I felt, you know, eight to 12 games to really get into the groove uh, in a regular season. So for these guys, uh, starting right game one, uh, no preseason this year, uh, must have been a little scary. I know it would have been for me. Um, and the other thing we don't talk a lot about is, you know, with, with this pandemic, a lot of the gyms being closed, a lot of the ranks being closed, like the training to get ready for for the season um, also uh, must have been scary for these guys coming in uh, kind of cold and, and expected to um, get on the ice and, and perform. So uh, those are those are things that, um, you know, they've had to adjust and adapt, but probably uh, a little scary for them as well. Yeah, I imagine for goalies, just trying to find NHL-caliber shots leading in when you have small groups on limited ice around North America and around the world, really, uh, has to play a factor as well. For, for you, um, there's the, the physical side of it and feeling like your skills are getting dialed in, but there's also a mental side of it, uh, of feeling like you're mentally ready, confident, and uh, with all of your skills. And, and there's part of the equation as well, just in preparing mentally with a nine-day training camp and no preseason, isn't there? Oh yeah, um, you know, and it, and it goes back a little bit with with the routine. Um, you know, hockey players like to have their routine. So, you know, coming to the rink, wondering, um, you know, the last few days for the fly, Flyers, what's going to happen? Uh, who can go on the ice? Who cannot? Um, are we going to play? Uh, when's our next game? Uh, are we going to have that outdoor game? Uh, you know, those are all crazy things that you know works in your mind and uh it, it's got to be tough it's the, the whole concept of it all um i i think is um tough to deal with but to me very impressive how uh, like i said earlier the nhl and the players have been handling it yeah no doubt Let, let's talk about this team because they're off to an 8-3-2 and two start before this uh, most recent pause and postponements uh, and they, they, they've gotten off to that start, Danny, despite pl- not playing their best hockey. The process hasn't been what we saw it at its peak last year for sure. And they've also gotten off to that start without Sean Couturier. And to me, yeah. that, that makes that result even more impressive. Correct. To me, the, like you said, uh, the fact that, you know, Sean wasn't there has been missing. Um, you know, the, the way, and I, I don't think um, Carter Hart uh, has been as dominant as he was 
uh, last year at times. And, and you know it's going to come at some point when, when he feels more and more comfortable. Um, you know, and we all agree that what the coaching staff was able to do last year, um, and it didn't happen overnight. It took, you know, uh, almost half the season for, for Alain Vigneault and his, uh, and his coaches to kind of put everybody on the same page. And when they started clicking, it was very impressive. Um, and that gives me confidence that this year, what is happening early in the year, they're finding ways to win maybe when they don't even deserve it. Um, and you know he's going to fix that, and their coach, coaches are going to fix that and make them better uh, down the stretch. So that gives me a lot of confidence for, for this team as well. Danny, I have, I, I have a firm belief that in sports, good teams find ways to win when they're not at their best, and bad yep. teams find a way to lose when they are at their best. Is, is that a little bit of the product of what we're seeing here? Yeah, yeah, you're right on. Uh, and you know, it's it's the difference is so small. Uh, you know, it could be uh, a missed assignment here, or it could be a penalty there. Or, you know, it's so small. The difference between the good teams and the bad teams. There's so much parity uh, in the league, as everybody knows uh, these days. The last place team can beat the top place team on any given night. So um, you're right. The, the, the good teams, they just have that knack of finding that one play that'll make a difference. And, and the bad teams are on the opposite end of it. Um, and, and that's why uh, that gives me a lot of confidence that the Flyers, even though everybody agrees that they haven't played their best hockey and they've, you know, they've maybe missed assignments here or there. Um, it's been impressive that they've been able to roll out to such a good record uh, early in the season. One of the things, too, that the fan base is going, well, this is a team that was so great at the end of last year. They really came into their own. There was very little turnover with the exception of Matt Niskanen, which was obviously a big loss and, and, and a mm-hmm. couple of minor additions to the roster. But people assume that go year to year, well, they should just be able to pick up because there's not a lot of change. They know the coach's system. Year to year, it's different every time, though, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You, you lose that momentum. You have to restart from scratch. And, and the best example of that is, is – the way the Flyers uh, finished the regular season uh, or when, you know, this pandemic hit and everything went on hold, people expected this team to just roll back into the playoffs and uh, be a hundred miles an hour. And, and we saw that it was a struggle. Um, you know, it was a struggle in the first round against, uh, against Montreal. Um, it got even tougher against the Islanders. So, um, you know, they just weren't able to recreate that, that magic, um, you know, and it takes time to, uh, to do that. And that's why, again, that the Flyers right now might not be uh, at their best, but it's a great sign that they're finding ways to win, um, you know, until, until the, uh, everything starts aligning uh, and they can roll uh, and play better down the stretch, hopefully again this year. Yeah, make them a long-term uh, team that's pretty pretty tough to deal with. Uh, three random questions for you now, Danny. First of all, why did you choose Philadelphia as your post-playing career home? Um, I, it's been home, and, and I knew when I signed as a free agent, I was uh, not just you know picking a, a place that I was going to play for for the next uh, duration of my contract, but I, I expected with the kids at the age that they were uh, coming into their teenage years that it would become home for for a long time. So. Uh, the kids grew up here. Uh, their friends are here. They went to, to school here. Um, and then I also met my wife uh, during my playing days here, who's from Philadelphia. So um, it, there was no doubt for me that after my, my playing days were over, uh, that I was coming back to Philadelphia. Random question number two. How important was it for you 
to to play a season in Montreal. You played 69 games for the Canadians, and I imagine when you walked into the Bell Center for the first time and your jersey was hanging in that stall, uh, that was yeah. a pretty big moment for you. It was, uh, you know, and growing up a, a fan, uh, a big Montreal Canadian fan myself, it was pretty special to have the chance to at least wear that jersey, uh, you know, once in, in my career for a year. Um, you know, there's other things that came into play. It's uh, obviously a lot of pressure to play there when you're uh, a hometown boy, uh, but I cherished it. I loved it. It was, it was amazing, um, and nobody will be able to, uh, to take that away from me. Last random question for you, Danny. Um, when Claude Giroux first came into the National Hockey League, you took him under your wing. He lived in your basement. Um, did you teach him parenting tips then? Because now he's got a second son on the way. I, I texted him. I said, now you got a D parent. He said, no, I got two PGA players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we well, you know, you got a little taste of uh, fatherhood, I guess, um, <laughs> during that year. Um, it, it was great. The, the kids loved them. They had a uh, you know a fun uh, kind of uh, uncle uh, relationship with with him. So it, it was pretty cool. We had a we had a blast. Um, he was a great roommate. Um, and what what I liked about it is he, he kept me young and he kept me close to you know the, the young players on on the team. So I felt it really helped me. Uh, having him around uh, around the house and you know hopefully uh now that it's his turn to to be raising kids and uh i'm going to be watching that closely as you look at it and you see him you know obviously go through his career which has been an astonishing career the numbers are they speak for themselves and now raising a family, it's 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 got to make you almost feel like a proud parent in a way with, with claude as well <laughs> well I, you know I, I yeah i mean i, I i'm really proud of you know, the way he, he became, you know, this leader uh, for many years to, to with the Philadelphia Flyers, what he did, you know, his career. Um, you know, I know I didn't have much to do with it, but it was pretty cool that, uh, you know, he came and lived with us for, for a few years. And I can say the same about Sean Couturier. So, uh, you know, definitely it's uh, it's flattering to, uh, to see and to have been part of uh, their growth uh, and part of their career. Well, it, it, you're a big part of it, and you're a big part of the Flyers family, and you still are. So, Danny, uh, best of luck with with everything with the uh, the executive MBA program at Wharton. We always appreciate you jumping on, and I uh, love talking to you, and we'll definitely talk soon. Well, same same here, Jason. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Always great to talk with Danny Briere, and uh, love catching up with the former Flyer. And great to see he's gone back to school. I think that's just such an interesting angle of conversation uh, for a former a great NHL player in Danny Briere as he continues his post-playing career pursuits. And uh, we appreciate him joining us yesterday on Flyers Weekly. But that's going to put a wrap on this episode of Flyers Daily. Everybody, have a great day. Hopefully we're uh, just a couple days away from Flyers hockey returning. We can't wait. I know like a lot of you uh, and like me, we're all missing the team playing, and we can't wait to get the season back underway. But thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on tomorrow's episode of Flyers Daily. Someone learn, many do, cover up or spread it out and turn around.